0: To Wednesday Night Generational Change. I'm Jen.
1: I'm Peter. And we've been having a pretty solid week so I, far.
0: I have fairy hair. Jen
1: has fairy hair. I have
0: fairy hair. I don't. Look at it. Look. I got fairy hair.
1: <laughs> Jen's a little too happy. For, oh my God. For I got fairy so hair.
0: And by the way, when after this nice girl, Megan puts the fairy hair in, she asked me, would you like fairy dust? And I looked at him like, of course I want fairy dust. Like, who would get fairy hair and not have fairy dust? Like, makes no sense whatsoever. And a woman pointed out that we wouldn't be friends with anybody who wouldn't want fairy dust, and that's very true. Well, I a good I job. couldn't be friends with anybody. Look, ah, it's all sharp. Look at it. I got fairy hair. So excited, and it's purpley fairy hair.
1: Is that really why you're excited? Or are you more excited about our guests that's coming? I on? am
0: excited about our guests, but I do like seeing myself with fairy hair. <laughs>
1: well. I and don't have don't any. Ever but, get,
0: no, you don't. And it but was we definitely look like all
1: like really professional this evening. So no, I I, I think one. I
0: look very professional.
1: Absolutely. Well, I know I said that. I, said oh, I thought that you were I'm being sarcastic. Our outfit, or a little. Yeah. Well, we had to get really professional okay. for a very professional conversation. Because, as you know, <laughs> we have certain what we call resident guests, ones that basically are allowed people. to come on whenever our they want. Our favorite
0: people. And
1: of course, what better time to bring on our good friend Steve Grumbine than at a time when. We're getting a lot of disinformation. See, when the liberals in the corporate media bubble like to talk about disinformation, they're just talking about stuff that isn't actually relevant. Wait,
0: you mean you mean how the, the, how you going to pay for it, people? Oh,
1: things like that. You know, like, like the, the student about loan the,
0: problem. How we're correct. just we can't afford. We cannot do that. We cannot cancel student loans. Those are private companies. How are we going to do that? How
1: will Wall Street ever survive if we don't allow them to the subjugate average working okay. people?
0: I'm trying to pack a ball. Here's the thing: is that even if Joe was right, let's say hypothetically he couldn't, like there was a why don't you run right after couldn't. we get
1: Steve to come? I'm
0: just saying. Then my answer would be, and Steve is going to confirm this. This is why I'm saying it because let's say hypothetically he couldn't. You're not authorized to cancel private student loan debt. I'd say, okay, then just pay it. That would be my okay. Don't cancel it. Uh, Just have him pay it, and then it would be gone.
1: From real progress, you know him, you love him. He's one of the very best, Steve Brombin. Welcome back to Generational Change.
2: Hey, folks. You like okay. my banner, debt and student? There's the little diploma mm-hmm. that way. Well, and,
1: uh, the so- diploma. And, uh, yeah, and it's tr- it's very
0: out. looming. <laughs>
1: oh, thank you, TM Mike.
2: It's goodness. not that as cool exactly as fairy, what fairy I was hair. Trying to do, but it's not, not as
0: cool as fairy hair. Do You see it?
1: Uh
2: huh.
0: Okay. It's great.
2: I so like Jen, it.
1: So Jen has been making uh, some really solid connections, I would say, uh, yeah. in the area. And people that just kind of need to be awakened. And more or less, in the simplest terms, your role, your job, as you've been playing over the past several years, is to wake people up to the realities of sort of the difference between something as simple as micro and macroeconomics. And when people talk about economics in a way that they are just so devoid of the realities of where we are and and what we're capable of doing. Like you said, no one ever blinks an eye when it comes to how much money we can spend on war. But when it comes to actual things that will help working people in this country, Nothing to be said.
0: So let's talk about what I was just saying. What we were just talking about with the student loans, because obviously that's the recent thing that happened, where Joe had to backtrack on his overly generous ten thousand dollars means tested payments or means tested cancellation, and now we're backtracking from that because the private loans apparently, Steve, I don't know if you know this, he doesn't have the authority to forgive those. That's
2: true. Yep. So <laughs> no, it's, it's not. Uh, <laughs> well, hold, hold on. Let, let's let's talk about this for a second, okay? Right. So the federal government, okay has backstopped all Fed loan servicing. So back, just, I don't know, I guess it was in the Obama era. There was American Education Services, AES, and then there was uh, FIA, uh, the Pennsylvania Higher Education Assistance Agency. Just using this as one example. Within the FIA structure, there was Fed loans, which Obama said, that's all we're going to do going forward. No more private alt loans. They called them alt loans at the time. No more alt loans. And so all that you really had were these federal federal loans. And so by the government backstopping these federal loans, knowing full well that the money had already been paid to the institution, right? The money had already been paid to the institution. This money came from the federal government and was serviced, the loan servicing. In other words, like the customer relationship management software with somebody sitting there on a desk saying, how can I help you? Is handled by FIA, but the loan was backstopped by the federal government. So in that federal loan servicing space, the FLS space, the federal government owns that debt. Okay. The Fed loan servicing get a percentage of the debt res- that they collect right. as their payment. Okay. So the money is already spent to the institutions. That's the payment. There's no new money created for any of this or for the Fed loans, that is, okay? Right. So within that space, that's a law. And as a law, the executive branch can execute said law. That's how we've gotten away with not prosecuting um, marijuana, you know, given the fact that the federal government still it's still illegal but it has been largely turned into executive the executive orders if you will the execution of those laws is largely up to the president on how to handle them when it comes to fed uh, the the private loans that's actually private banks that the federal government does not own those loans and so therefore cannot control cuz the federal government didn't create didn't put that money out there So this is the divisor. It's always been the divisor. I was wondering how that was going to play out. I was scratching my head because, see, here's the thing. Biden has no budget authorization to to spend new money. He can only choose not to enforce a a law. He can choose how to enforce a law. So within that space, the alt loans or those private loans, they are to a private place. In order for those loans to be wiped out, it would require an act of Congress, Article 1, Section 8, that would require spending new money to pay them off or whatever. Um, But let me be crystal clear, though, okay? If Biden was to eliminate all federal loans by his decree, by executive order, perfectly legitimate thing to do. Every penny of it he could wipe out without spending a single penny. OK, not a single nickel would need be spent to do this. Those Fed loan servicing companies say hey, we're not doing federal loans anymore. School's free. Oh, OK. So that, that's that. Or, you know, if they want to do graduate school or they want to do a, whatever. Right. But the point is, is that he could literally do that with executive order. And that's what the debt collective was pushing. They wrote an executive order for him that showed him exactly how to do it step by step exactly how to do it. He didn't follow that executive order, needless to say. Had he done that, he would have been in good shape, but he did not do that. Um, So, I mean, it's one of those things where people think somehow or another we have to spend or print money or do some other bullshit. All that it would be literally is status quo. It's literally status quo (laughs) that we haven't paid these debts in three years. Nothing happened at all. So there's absolutely nothing, there would be nothing inflationary about it because we're not, not that this creates inflation anyway, but we're not creating new money. So you can't make the ridiculous statements Republicans and LOL libertarians do about, oh, the print money is creating inflation. You can't get away with that lie because the money's already been spent. It's already in the economy. I guarantee you those, uh, those loan servicing groups or whoever was receiving that money already bought their Porsche. They've already bought their vacation. They've already done whatever they're doing with the money. Money's already circulating. So there's nothing there that's inflationary in any way, shape or form. And that really is, to me, it's one of the most grotesque lies that libertarians and right wing uh, Republicans and Democrats tell each other is this idea that they're printing money. It's causing inflation. It's, it's a lethal lie. And It's probably the thing that stood between us and total debt cancellation to begin with.
1: Well, I don't think there's enough of an emphasis regarding our current president and the fact that the Democratic Party as it stands today is completely captured by Wall Street and Silicon Valley. And that is the only reason why this is not being talked about the way that it needs to be. This whole idea of, well, the GOP is going to sue us in court and, uh, uh, yeah, it looks like they're going to win. They're not even trying to fight it. There is not even an attempt to fight it, even though the ex, the chief executive has legal standing to cancel all debt. It's not just student debt; he could cancel medical debt tomorrow, which is ins- that's even more well, insane that there's student debt. He could
2: not cancel medical debt tomorrow, not with an executive order. That's the thing: the U.S. government doesn't hold that debt. That okay. debt is held by the private institutions, et cetera. They could, however, write a bill. Congress then to spend that money and take care of it. So this is where we got to be really kind of locked in on the steps on what, what goes where. Um, So in my opinion, we should eliminate medical debt, but that would require a Congress that actually gave a shit. Right. Hmm. And you, you nailed it. The Democrats are completely captured. I don't know why we don't stay on this subject constantly. So people stop getting that, like, Lucy and, and Charlie Brown moment over and over again. It, this is not like the vote blues will tend to come to you and try and make you like completely forget everything you know. They'll try to make you just flush your brain of truth so that you can somehow or another get back in the hole and say, Look at vote blue, vote blue, Vote blue. It's like art or ar, vote blue. And and I think I think it's it's very dangerous. Because because of that and because of the ignorance of all the finance and monetary operations, you end up voting blue and you end up getting more of the same shit sandwich. Because, see, here's the thing. If they don't know the stuff we're talking about here, and I, I, I'm telling you, most of them don't, especially nuke. You think about it, Jen, when you were running for office, before you met me and before we started talking the way we talk, you'd have been out there ar- arping you know, the same nonsense about economics that every candidate does, you know what I mean? Well,
0: except for that I had followed you before I knew you and I I was watching. So I, but time I was running, I was not stupid.
2: No, but you get my point though. The average person is running for office and they're trying to, they're up against a million things, right? I look at the system and I say to myself, we are always going to be in a wash, rinse, repeat cycle until we stop making this optional, until we stop acting like this is some silly accounting thingy. It only happens to be the single silliest accounting thingy that blocks everything that we want to do. So so it ends up being the most important thing. It's more important than climate crisis. Why? Because we can't achieve the stuff we need to do with climate crisis without a government putting those wheels in motion, we can do all these nice. Hey, I've stopped eating meat. Did it change? Nope. Shit. I say I started riding my bicycle. Did it change? Nope. Shit. I started recycling. Did it change? Nope. Shit. We need big, bold action. And the only way you have big, bold action is to understand you got big, bold dollars that can be spent into existence to do big, bold things like eradicate all student debt, like literally make college for free and not just up to bachelor's degree at a state school. you could do it for everything, all the way up the food chain. Just make education a national investment. make it an investment in the future. And if people leave the country and go to their countries, consider it an investment in world because the world spins, right? The whole environment, it's like the air didn't stay locked in oh nope, I only go with that one. it goes, it moves. And so we're all on this rock together. There's no reason to think nationalistically. We need to think globally still. Act local, think global kind of thing. And and quite frankly, we can do all of those things. And this student loan thing is a great way of elevating and showing, number one, it doesn't require any new money. It's already paid. It's just a matter of saying, eh, we're not gonna collect the debt. Michael Hudson and Steve Keen talk about how every 25 years back in the day, they used to always have a debt jubilee. Every twenty five, every generation they had a debt jubilee. When's the last time you heard of a debt jubilee happening in this lifetime? Uh-uh. I I have never I'm, heard of one. I I mean, I, I'm, I'm the old one. Well, you're what, 35 and he's like 28 and I'm like, you know, 53 up here. So See, I know in my long years,
0: We me, Steve.
2: <laughs> I know in all my long years, I've never seen anything remotely like it because it brings to mind. And I think Peter, you might relate to this more so than anyone because of your, your some of the libertarian stuff that you've been around. When you consider that we are trapped in a do-nothing Congress, when you consider that we're trapped in a government that is literally doing nothing for us, after a while, you got to ask yourself, how is it even possible that it could be that feckless? How could it be that? Because libertarians don't, they hate the government. They want it so small, they can drown it in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. You know. So the idea is, what about this is so bad? Why is it that they won't do it? you got to start saying, well, who are they really serving and why are they serving? What is the reason they won't do these things? It's not just greed. Greed is an easy thing, but the government creates money out of thin air and it spends it into existence with interest rate hikes. That's how the rich are getting super rich right now with interest rate hikes. How do you do this? Well, the bottom line is, is that our government isn't there to serve us. It's not there to, it's intended to make life harder on us, which is why they're disciplining us with layoffs, creating a global recession right now, etc. So you've got to ask yourself really, really, really do your scientific thinking and say, what is the government here for? And you realize ultimately government is here for private property. It's here to defend business. It's here to give the business community and the elites everything they need and to protect them from us. That's it. It's not there to enhance our lives, to make our lives better. It's there to make sure that they can live the best life they want. And we just kind of suffer with the crumbs. It's Elysium all over again. And I I think that that's the exclamation point here.
0: I was just going to say, I think it's the same. Like when we talk about law enforcement, people think they're there to protect and serve. I'm like, no, they're there to protect wealthy people's property. They've always been there to protect, starting with their slaves and continuing now to whatever property they have. That's what they're there for. They're not there to make sure that everything is good for us.
1: Not at all. Not what do you at think? All. What do you think would happen if uh, if this circumstance was being played out in a Sanders administration right now? What do you think Bernie would do?
0: What would Bernie do? WWBD.
2: <sighs> He'd probably have a town hall about it. I, I, you know, I I I my my hope and dreams would be that Bernie would take the people that wrote all the stuff about student debt elimination and would have his economic advisor Stephanie Kelton come up. And would tell the truth. Um, I think Bernie. I'm disappointed in Bernie, but I think Bernie's take on this is that we're not ready for what needs to be done yet. The people aren't ready. We're not ready. And so he's just trying to do what a lot of people are doing. People like Sarah Nelson and others who are high up in unions, but very much toe the vote blue line. And the reason they say on the back end is because we need to buy time to get our unions organized again. We need to buy time without having Republicans writing laws to strip away our ability to organize and so forth. So to them, that's really it. And and Bernie sees us and sees the people and realizes most of them can't get it through their head that the country creates the money. So how could it possibly be broke? They can't get that simple thing through their heads. And they can't understand Article 1, Section 8, which gives power of the purse to Congress. They can't understand that the president ex- executes the, uh, the uh, laws. They don't put these things in proper context. So it's always just like hair on fire, flailing about, shooting all over the place. We've got to condense that and focus it. And Bernie, I think, would unfortunately be radically practical and recognize the average person doesn't understand this stuff. And he would go, we got to tax the millionaires. We got to tax the billionaires. We got to, he'd still say what he's been saying for the last 40 years. You had to do
0: this. You had to do that. (laughs) Did I bring
1: him out? Yes, I did. Unfortunately, no, look, there is only one person here that could possibly do, well, listen, Jen, I like your hair. Isn't that pretty? Steve, look, if I was president right now, instead of my good friend, Joe,
0: He's not your friend. I would have done
1: more than a town hall. I would have told the GOP to shut up their ass.
0: Yeah, that's what you would do. You know, the fact that you still hold I'm Joe is your friend. And
1: We absolutely would be able to cancel student debt. There is no question. Hold the phone here. I got the it. president has the legal authority.
0: Joe is nobody's cancel friend.
1: Stu- no, we would, we would cancel student debt. That's what we would
0: do. Joe is nobody's friend.
1: Joe is my friend. I don't have a lot of friends on Capitol Hill. Can you give me a break and let me have one? They don't like me over there because I like to tell the truth.
0: I think it's because you're cranky. I am not cranky. Uh oh. Uh oh.
1: They're in my studio too, all at once.
2: <laughs> I don't like that
1: man. You can't make it way. up.
2: You try and do something off script, and what happens? Oh. It's all good. Donald Trump. Will, Donald
1: Trump cannot be president again. Unfortunately, I think it might happen. It
2: might no,
0: you're not- going to oh have God. Ron DeSantis is who you're having. Oh, <laughs> Sorry about that. I tried to go off script,
2: but there went my studio.
0: (laughs) Is that what happened? That literally is what happened. So give me one second. I'm going to hide
2: my camera momentarily. All right, it's all good.
1: (laughs) Keep talking, though. I can still talk. Steve, remember (laughs) that you're doing a great job. You're explaining to the American people exactly what macroeconomics is versus microeconomics. It's very important stuff. And unfortunately, the American people are still not getting it. They think that we have money for war, but we don't have money to help the average citizen. That has got to change. You're doing a good job. Just wanted to clarify, if I was president, I would have canceled all of that student debt, not $10,000 in a means system. We would have done it for everybody, and that's the way it needs to be.
0: So mm-hmm. good to see you, again.
2: Good to see you, Bernie. Thanks, Bernie. <laughs> Appreciate it. And I think Grumbine's <laughs> back now. Sorry about that. Total, total meltdown with him. You're getting a little crazy <laughs> over there. But yeah, do you feel like the? But, but I wasn't anticipating
1: that, bringing out Trump. <laughs> well, totally. There's only one Trump here in identity. Oh my
0: god!
1: Um, But do you kind of feel like the American people are? There's like enough people right now. Oh, and before we continue, let me just say, first of all, double K, thank you very thank much for you. your support. Really means a lot. Yeah. Uh, anytime, Steve, you run, we get twenty bucks from Double K. So I think we're going to have to have you fairly consistently. I hope That's you understand. So funny. And uh, Kayla,
0: thank you. Also, fan. Kayla,
1: thank you. Uh, yes, we can absolutely have Angelica come back on. Uh, she is a excellent candidate running in California. We we
0: have her. Yes, we have. Uh, she was lovely. Yeah.
1: Well, you like to say it. I yes. do. <laughs> uh, but I just I kind of get the impression right now that the American people are just kind of waking up and, you know, again, oh, little, they definitely by little, are. little by little every day. But I kind of think they see that the the fact that the president didn't even attempt even slightly to push back on this completely frivolous lawsuit. We all know that. But the fact that they were this is the parliamentarian all over again. It's the same yeah. thing. Oh, you know, we really wanted to cancel that student <laughs> debt, but you know they're gonna they're gonna sue us in court. So I guess we can't give it to you anymore. This
0: is who we are supporting for twenty four. We think go with the people with the most power, and that's obviously who has the most power. So that's double K cinema.
2: I, I thought is she gonna be like the Secretary of State? Or well, or? <laughs>
0: she she could be. I just thought you know it just looked too funny not to use parliamentarian, and I don't know her name by the way, which just makes it all the more funny to me.
1: Double K, did you do two donations specifically because it's got double in the name i don't see double jackson but whatever it is thank you very very it's much
0: very appreciated <clears throat> yeah
1: but again i i just think if he is just going to literally roll over and die uh how do you think the midterms are going to go in the last month when everything gets attached to joe's ass and everyone's going to be thinking ah oh, this isn't so good
2: let me tell you what they're counting on. They're counting on you remembering the Roe v. Wade. Thank you. Thing. I've they're been saying that on, the whole
0: time. But they're that's counting dangerous. On women,
2: they're counting on women.
0: Yeah.
2: 100 percent saying I don't care about anything else. Anything. Anything, <laughs>
0: anything else. else.
2: This is it. <laughs>
0: and you know what?
2: It's a va- I mean, you know, I'm a dude. I can't really speak to it. Jen. No, I know that's you have valid
0: it's
2: valid. But, yeah. I, and, and so, you know, who am I to say that's, but that's what they're counting on. Right. Oh, yeah. They're counting on a hundred percent allegiance to that. And you know what? I mean, here's what sucks. The Democrats could be the good guys. I know everybody already gives them the worthless benefit of the doubt. No matter what, no <laughs> matter what, it's like, I know they're corrupt, but just vote blue, please. Just vote blue. I don't care. Just vote blue. I'm telling you, the GOP has never done any blah, blah, And it's like, I get it. So why don't we try a third option? And it's not a third party. It's recognizing that those parties right there control the elections. They control the electoral college. They control the media. They control Pretty much everything. They've got their hooks in the chambers of commerce. They got their hooks into schools. They got their hooks into everything. To try to create a third party and think all that a party does is elect people is completely foolish. You've got to be in these places. You've got to have people in those places. You've got to have the infrastructure, the skeletal structure, the the scaffolding, all those connections throughout that get things done, even though that's what's also keeping us back is that very institutionalized structure the point is we don't have time and we're not we're not remotely organized to do something like that fair right <laughs> so yeah, i know it's it's baffling we, but we are we not can't
0: get out of our own way it's we um, can't get out of our own way
2: to take a dump man no i was have,
0: just talking about this tonight like people want me to hate on the republicans like you hate on the democrats i'm like I can't get to the Republicans like we we cannot get I have to fix my own house first I can't be worrying about them when we're not offering anything better and people are not grasping this
2: yeah (laughs) well okay so I think of it like this
0: the Republicans
2: never never right on ever yeah they have never once told me that they're pushing a green new deal they have never once told me that they're looking for a job guarantee. They have never once told me they're looking to make college free. They've never once told me they're looking to provide, you know, housing as a right. Health care is a right. Education is a right. They've never said anything like that. They've always been up front and said, fuck you, find a way to figure it out. They've always been rugged. We're rugged individualists. We don't want handouts. So they've always been who they are. There's no need to pretend. So right. I'm not asking them to be my champion for a green new deal. These fools are saying it because they authored the goddamn bill and then they don't fight for it. Right. They don't do anything with it. And so to me, anybody that doesn't acknowledge this is not a serious person and should be disregarded, quite frankly, in terms of advice and listening to them, because it's not a matter of not voting blue or voting blue or voting red or anything else. It's a matter of, Be what you say you are. Be real. If you're not going to deliver, don't expect me to deliver because I get nothing out of this other than you voted for him. Look, I mean, every time Joe Biden does something, every Biden voter needs to own his action. Every need to own the actions about the pipeline, you know, the the uh, Nord Stream. Too, they need to own the decisions about uh, expanding NATO. They need to own the decisions of Biden celebrating one trillion and deficit reduction. They need to own all the successes Biden's so proud of. They need to own that he's literally bringing about a global recession. They need to own these things because that's what your vote is. You voted for him. You own the outcomes. You own their behavior. You are part of his thing. There is no benign vote. I voted strategically. No, you put the man in office. He did
1: this stuff. That's on you. Period. Period. There's no getting around it. I I think the evolution over the last decade, particularly since the, the great awakening, as I like to put it, which was the summer of 2015 when Bernie and Trump, You know really woke up a sleeping giant it's hard to believe that it's seven years later already but over the course of that time there really has been this sort of consensus of more and more people are starting to find their way in one of the things that i kind of you know it it was almost like an epiphany recently but even here locally and you're thinking Jen is so much more palatable than a and Schultz, but the truth is- God, he's you sweet a, talker. Oh, yeah, well. Uh, my <laughs> point is- Lomar. These, uh, a lot of people who are in the political arena, the, the next evolution is recognizing just how small your bubble really is. Because most people don't know about this stuff. Most people do not care about this stuff. And as Jen always likes to point out, most of them don't have a chance to care because life is too tough to begin with and they're just trying to survive. <laughs> yeah. So try to get them to understand. On
0: purpose. Well, that's why. We can keep everybody completely disengaged when they're working three jobs to live. That is why. Most people do not know who their congressperson is. Most people do not know where they would even vote if they were. Most people don't know whether or not they are registered to vote. And and of those people, of the people that are, let's say, thinking about it, we get what? 11% voter turnout? We get 11% voter turnout.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and
0: that's okay. That's a primary, but still, it's still low. I and mean, the like primaries
1: a, are more important than generals. That's the,
2: other well, uh, hold on. let's start there. Let's start right there for president, for sure. I, I, I know you all know this cause you guys are down there in Florida. I know you, I know you Jen talked to Jared Beck in the past, or at least know Jared Beck and remember the Becks who took the court case about the DNC rigging through and it got thrown out eventually. But Bruce Spiva, who was the DNC lawyer, fought tooth and nail to say we have no responsibility whatsoever to provide you with a a, a, with a primary, much less a fair primary. And no, you don't have any reasonable expectation that your donations to Bernie Sanders were going to Bernie Sanders to help get him elected had no right to believe that it's all for the democrat the democrats will take that money that you donated to bernie and it will use it however it wants and that was said in court they're a private corporation they have no responsibility there is no such thing as a democrat either there is only you vote for a democrat but there is no such thing as a democrat and i i couldn't believe it but that's the deal so if you flush that out of your mind if you can flush that out of your mind and still believe that we're fighting to save democracy. Well, let's, let's all trip on that. Mess the together. The most okay?
1: democratic <laughs> thing we have in the political <laughs> arena today is not the GOP's voter suppressive tactics. It's the fact that one major political party has a thing called super, super delegates. delegates, which yep. basically says there is no democratic process. If we yep. have to rig it, which they did, they will.
0: Guys, go back and look up when Debbie was interviewed about this. Debbie was at, uh, was actually interviewed about the use of superdelegates. I swear, I can't remember where it was or what the interview she was. She was
1: interviewed on CNN. Okay. But and they, they asked, specifically her, asked her, What is the purpose of having superdelegates? Please and, watch her answer. And that is so that mm. we don't have to deal with these non corporate candidates breaking through.
0: Basically, that, okay, what she said was because if we don't have superdelegates, then the we'll have to do what the people want. That was the, the gist of, and she she said it, and, and but like that was basically what it was. I swear, guys, you have to look it up. It was, you say it was CNN? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember where it was, but she really just like mask off, man. She's like, cause if she we don't said, have superdelegates, then the people will get their way. She
1: said something that she really shouldn't have said.
0: It was great. <laughs> but
1: but that's what, what we always like to say in the political sphere, Debbie is the gift that keeps on giving.
3: Uh, whenever she, she
0: opens does. her mouth, it's glorious.
2: Yeah. I want to I want to take a step back for something because this plays into this larger conversation. The idea that we're preventing fascism, right? This this idea, right? First of all, because of the nature of our country, the idea of president being a strongman dictator is largely impossible. Just like it's impossible in Italy where Maloney, who represents a coalition government of right-wingers, is so stifled by the parliamentary process that she'll never be able to do anything radical, okay? Not the way it's set up. In this country, we don't have any potential unless literally we have a coup, unless we have a coup. That's a totally different ball of cheese. That's not our government today. So, but when you think about what is fascism, fascism is the merger of corporation and state. And when you have that, Without it being public owned, it's still private. But the relationship of the public-private partnerships, all the stuff, this yeah. is fascism. We we always think of it like Hitler and and literally throwing right. the Jews and the and the Auschwitz and stuff like that, which is horrible. But that is not the definition of fascism. That is absolutely maniacal and insane behavior. But that is not what we're talking about here. In fact, you know, I just found out, and this is something that I'm like shocked I didn't know. But fascism is a uniquely Italian thing. Italy created fascio, right? And so fascism is an Italian thing, came around with Mussolini, okay? And and the fact is, is that we already have a pseudo, a proto-fascist state. We don't have the king dictator at the top, but we have the complete merger of corporation and state right now. And that is not, you're not preventing fascism, my friends, by voting Democrat or whatever. All you're doing is saying, hey, I like their brand of fascism better than their brand of fascism. It's still a proto-fascist state. And so when you understand this thing, this is why whenever I talk about neoliberalism, I talk about mass privatization. That is a core tenet of fascism. And if you're saying I'm voting Democrat to prevent fascism, I'm just like, why am I having this conversation
0: because they don't talking? understand. They don't understand we have Tom Hartman on recently for his new book Hidden History of Neoliberalism in America and we've covered this quite a bit lately. And it really is there is a direct parallel, correlation between neoliberalism to fascism. So it's the same like you're going in that direction, okay? Like it 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 almost like can't control itself and the only thing that can control that is the socialism balance. It's like you're, you're seeing a populist uprising. So you're either gonna have it on the left or the right. And I'm not talking the political party left and right in this country. I'm talking the exactly. actual left and right. So yes. like, if you're having that uprising, people were better off with the left. And, and the, the thing is like, we have the fascism. We don't quite have the authoritarian aspect yet, but that's all that's missing. And I don't think people realize how easy that would be to happen.
2: Absolutely. But no, I understand right.
0: hyperbolically when they say everybody's a fascist. It's really annoying. Right.
2: Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I think I think the other thing that's really challenging here is this. If you think about let's let's make public university a nationalized thing, hypothetically, just for our, our discussion, because it's just about student law. Yeah. I, so the entire education system is now nationalized. It's a nonprofit entity that is funded entirely by the federal government. They could charge what they want. We're not here to deny them their, their, their wages or whatever it is that they've determined. But the fact is is that we as people have a right to freedom to, to educate ourselves. It's the difference between who pays. It's not a difference of where it lies. And so whenever the federal government creates an agency or creates an institution or creates a law, this is a way of the federal government servicing us as people, You know, be, allowing us to have a better life. It doesn't require a tax dollar to do that. We are not responsible for building institutions. Our federal government that creates currency and has our best interest, if it does have our best interest, creates those public purpose entities. Okay. So as we look at this, what happens to the profit motive? All of a sudden it goes away. So all of a sudden big business is less interested in controlling this thing. And it kind of moves on to something else because within this thing, if big business stops, now all of a sudden people, the thinkers, the the brilliant teachers, the minds that are out there studying things that are considered edgy and out of the orthodox suddenly can be taught without the taint of business saying, well, that's not doing us any good, right? So I think it's important to think about that with healthcare too. It's not a matter of necessarily creating, uh, you know, government hospitals. It's about government absolutely funding these things so that they're a right to us, yeah. And at the same time, we don't have to pay for them because taxes literally don't fund any of the spending. Not at all. Not a penny of it. Not a nickel of it. Not a not a pay hey penny. Nothing. It, it, it's it's nothing. The government spends the money freely. So all these is. things we could do every last one of them we could do. Here's the, and quote. So, yeah, the my my guy, Mark Fabian. um, I, I just want to make it clear. Yeah. That fascism is a totally different thing than what's being said. Bigotry, racism, authoritarianism, all that stuff. Fine. OK. But what you must understand, and this is the hardest thing for lefty or not even lefties. Lefties, I think, get it. It's the centrist, the squishy center that doesn't get it. The reason why the people flock to Trump is because they like the idea of somebody confident, Seeming capable, even if they're not, and they can point to his business and say, see, this guy knows the shit. They want somebody that walks into the bar that they can walk in behind the bully. They want them to walk in because they are tired of getting kicked, too. They're tired of getting kicked around. And so they want that strong man. And when we trot up a corpse and a cop and Biden and Kamala, that rubs every bit of their sensibilities completely the wrong way. Feckless, Stuttering useless, you know, completely rich and bourgeois and not in any way connected to the people. Suddenly it makes a Donald Trump look remarkably like competent. Suddenly it's like,
1: well, I'm totally competent. I'm the smartest person in the room and you (laughs) totally know it.
0: I think that, well, we have a tendency. We actually had a really good interview with an author that wrote a book called Corruptible. And one of the things we talked about is sort of like as people We still use that primate monkey brain aspect of us to choose our leadership. Like we still have this might makes right. We we still support that almost instinctively, even though the times do not, we don't need the the monkey who can beat off the wolves, right? Like we don't need that anymore. We need somebody, you know, with more brains, but we're still voting for that leader.
2: Right. So uh, somebody says, I think this is (laughs) really important. Ah, uh, dirtbag leftist says. Yes. How many times did Trump declare bankruptcy? He's not a successful business person.
0: Correct.
1: Nobody is looking
2: at his balance sheets. They don't care. He exudes confidence. This exactly. is the problem. This is the problem. It, it's Biden's fecklessness is something that it's like shaking hands with somebody when you do it, their hands just melts like butter. It's like, Ooh. you know, like it's it's a in just instantly like oh, I'm not sure about that handshake there. Right. And this goes back like to childhood. Your dad taught you, everybody taught you. And that's what Biden's behavior is like compared to Trump. Yeah, I hated Trump. I didn't vote for Trump. I wouldn't vote for Trump the same. I am a true lefty and Trump doesn't serve any value for me whatsoever. But being able to explain what the right looks for. Right. Being able to explain what the right is looking for. They're looking for that guy. They don't care. If he's a bankrupt a hundred times, he was smart enough to figure out how to use the system to do whatever. That's I'm a really smart.
1: Think. I'm a really smart business.
2: But you really know smart. What,
0: though, but what? What do other people base it on? Like what? You know, then you could say I look at the Democrats and I think they just tend to support very overwoke identity. Somebody with a good identity card. So they're going to go with the touchy feely over the you know the more we want anything, the guy with the, the machismo
1: to not deal with the fundamental decimation of working people in this country. That's all this is about. That's all it's ever been about. That's all it's ever going to be about. It's That's no it. different than why we are in, or are dealing with Ukraine, why we're dealing with Taiwan. Everything
0: is, about is always
1: about money and power. And anyone who tells you otherwise is a liar and a grifter, and you're a fool if you buy it. At this yep. point, I don't know what you're looking at. Because it's so transparently obvious. Yeah, I'm so
0: tired of of the, God, the amount of people I see, like the, the Democrats with the Ukrainian flags out and stuff like that. And it's like, um, I, I just...
1: Where's the flag for Flint, Michigan? Where's the flag for Jackson, Mississippi? Just, My God, did Jackson, Mississippi really d- talk about a story that died? Last, you would think that story would last at least a week.
0: See, now I'll be called yeah. something like a Putin puppet. The
1: only reason why that story is even remotely, remotely still in the news is because of Brett Favre's attachment to it. That is it. If you took him out of the equation, that would have Maybe been
0: yesterday's nothing. news I before the week that ended. And
1: well, Just think about this. Pakistan,
2: Right now, mind okay. you, Pakistan is a nuclear power. I don't know if we uh,
1: anybody remembers that. Oh yeah, the oh, nu- I know. there's they're, a lot. They're, say, they're a nuclear a power, people, right? Steve. Right. There's a lot of people who think Armageddon is going to come from Pakistan and India. Uh, they think that's yeah. where it's going to
0: happen. Well, let me
1: let me t- let me add some credence to that. Sadly, okay. So
2: uh, I interviewed a gentleman named Akhtar Opsal who writes. Uh, he's a PhD economist in Pakistan. And he writes for a publication called Dawn. It's the largest Pakistani English uh, publication out there. And he wrote this great one called basic. I I don't remember the name of it right off hand, but it's something to the effect of um, basically the collapse of society in Pakistan or something to that effect. And it talks about how because of the, the the massive flooding that came in ruined Thousands upon thousands of miles of roads. Of these the are country. people that don't have value-added manufacturing. They have nothing yeah. but roads, schools, plumbing, and maybe food production, and and that's it. So these people have nothing, and now all of a sudden they're dealing with pestilence. They're dealing with flood damage. They're dealing with all kinds of horrible stuff. And what happens? What do we know when poverty hits? Okay, poverty creates desperation. And when they start getting desperate, he, he recommended that it possibly could become like another Arab spring. I, however, am looking at it slightly differently than that. And I'm saying because of climate crisis, the real opportunity for Hindis and Muslims who hate each other from yeah. India to Pakistan and the migration path required to stay out of harm's way is going to bring very, very much warring people together. And both are nuclear powers Okay, Modi over there And over on the other side you I, I don't know his name, but you get the point We've got yeah. this existential crisis going on Well, I want people to understand this stuff Because this is something that just faded out of the news entirely altogether You never hear In the beginning you saw pictures, mass flooding You saw the rapids running through the neighborhoods The houses being blown away Now you don't see anything, you don't hear nothing And they, this is where economics kicks in They don't have the means to produce things in their country. Right. So they have a horrible, what they call current account, which is the account between them and other countries. They largely have to import things to be able to survive. Okay. Well, they've lost 50% of their cotton production, which is a huge deal in Pakistan. And they've lost a bunch of other industry as well. So not only is their actual ability, which they have to export, all their stuff is basically gone. Their ability to provide for their people, gone. They're out there actually begging us to provide them with support, to, to actually donate. Because in a country like Pakistan that doesn't have the productive capacity, they don't have the monetary sovereignty to be able to do it. They can buy anything for sale in their own currency, but they don't have ship for sale in their own currency in that country. They have to buy X ex- or imports to be able to survive. And so this is going to drive inflation way up. The United States raising interest rates is raising it way up as well. And they are going to be a powder keg. So when you talk about the death and destruction and the real things, this all comes back to the United States because we have a hand in all the shit. And at the end of the day, because we can't even get something simple like student debt. Eliminated. We can't get these kind of things taken care of. And because we can't get these kinds of things taken care of, you see Puerto Rico suffering, you see Haiti suffering. Hell, you see Flint, Michigan and Jackson suffering. You see it suffering constantly because they got to keep the facade up that they can't do anything for us. If they allowed us to believe that they could do something, they would do it. And if they did that, then we would know, and then we would make demands that they can do more. That's more demanding.
0: The game. We're making demands. You know, maybe that's,
1: that's what and, and I, I think a great place to uh, conclude the conversation is, you know, maybe that's the legacy as it stands right now, especially of the Biden administration, when it came to the canceling of student debt. Maybe they really thought, wow, now they really think they're entitled to getting some stuff. And, and that's just how they look at it. They look at it as these masses are subjugated, we're going to keep it that way. And if they think for a second that they're actually of greater value than where they believe that they are to be, that's not going to be good for the bottom line. And when you are living in a oligarchic society, which we are, which is teetering on full-blown fascism in many ways, you know, there is, again, there is this inflection point of where are we going to go? Where are the masses going to go? And Right now, it's not looking good because a lot of them are flocking towards Trump and DeSantis. And if we don't get our act together, that's what 24 is going to be like. And it's only going to get worse. It's like all of these things are all happening at once. It's like total destruction. But hey, if that's what's going to happen, I just hope it's quick. That's all I can say.
0: Oh, we're having DeSantis people.
2: I want to raise something. up. This is super important here. Two two things. Number one, to stay in Pakistan momentarily, with all the flooding, cholera, malaria, Right. All sorts of other things are happening to children right now. Children are dying out secondarily after the, the initial flood swept away people. They, I think there was like something like 1,500 deaths in the original thing. It's even more than that. Now people are starting to get sick from all the, the decay right. and, and diseases that come from flooding. So yeah. there's that going on right now as well. But something I think that is really, really super, super important as as we're looking at you know something like a a DeSantis or any of these other people coming through into power as we see right. that kind of thing happening right there is a reason why people are seeing them as an option as a viable option yeah and and there's nothing they're saying that's viable at all. nothing they're saying <laughs> is useful at all. everything is literally bigoted and hateful. Literally. I mean, literally, literally, if you listen to the campaign ads here in Pennsylvania, listening to Doug Mastriano, you oh, think you're listening yeah. to something straight out of like a movie, like, like Sin City kind of thing. I mean, it's like, what? He's, wow, he's a, really?
1: He's, he's a bad guy.
2: Yeah. So, but this is all the facade. This is all the front, right? We get yeah. caught up in politics and, and, and I swear to God, I think it's like, this childlike thinking that says, Hey, I recognize it's like, you can almost see cipher in, in the matrix going. I know it's not steak,
1: but it tastes but good.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. And I see a lot of people out there. It's like, I don't really want to have to you know, learn theory. I don't really want to have to organize. I don't really want to have to be ungovernable and force the government to do my will. I think I'll just vote blue. And, and that's the dumbing down of society that we have dealt with. And quite clearly, quite clearly, you should see it. Democrats had the White House, had the Senate, and they had Congress. And they had tons of time yep. to stack the court. They had... Obama in office that could have had Ruth Bader Ginsburg step down, Talked, He did it to Bernie. He sure talked Bernie off the ledge, didn't he? He could have talked to RBG out of right. that as well. And he didn't. And over and over again, they didn't codify Roe v. Way. They didn't do it. Stop giving air cover to piss poor service. Stop pretending that this is somehow or another, a valid expression of humanity. It's garbage. It's trash. And we're all suffering. I look at my son. I'm like, God, Is there a way for me to live forever so that I can take care of my autistic kid? Because all these vote blues are willing to just vote blue and they don't care what comes of it. They don't care. They have not a fucking care in the world. As long as they can just vote blue, they're going to vote blue. And my kid, I got to live forever. And I've got to find a way to live forever to overcome the vote blue unwillingness to fight back. I've got to live forever to save my son from them. That's, that's how what bad I'm always
0: saying. No, it is. And that's what I'm always saying. Like, we do, we need to get the Democrats to fight and they're not going to do that so long as they're all very comfortable. Well,
1: that is well. And again, the bottom line is they Thomas Jefferson has one of the great quotes of all time, which is. When the people fear the government, there is tyranny. When the government fears the people, there is liberty. And that is what we do not have right now. The government does not fear the people. But if the government did fear the people, all of the changes that we seek would happen. That's not to say that that electoral politics is not important. It absolutely is and it absolutely matters. But at the end of the day, if you don't have an inside-outside strategy, you don't have anything.
0: You don't even have to scare yeah. them. You just have to yeah. interrupt their fancy and that, dinners at fancy and that, restaurants. that, unfortunately,
1: is that that is the missing component that we really have to seize on at this point. Because, again, there is this grassroots awakening that's happening right now. And we have to marry it properly. And that's the, that is the task at hand that we really have to work on. Steve? Thank you, as always. Guys, check
0: out all of Steve's stuff.
1: What are you working on? Please, Macro and Cheese Podcast. (laughs) Yes. Well, of course. Macro and Cheese Podcast. Anything else that you want to mention before you go, please. uh, Floor is yours for a minute. Go for it. Yeah,
2: The Rogue Scholar, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays on Real Progress in Action uh, YouTube channel. Please come check me out. Uh, We also have The Rogue Scholar now on podcasts. You can check it out on any podcast platform you're on. Um, And then, of course, I am uh, Tuesday nights. I do uh, co-hosting with Jordan at Status Quo and on Sundays that typically it's 2 p.m., but it wherever Colin can get the damn video edited. <laughs> We've <laughs> yeah, been doing Colin. some crazy stuff and having some
0: fun. Uh, Colin, we been know really, you're watching right know, now. No, no, we don't, but I, mean, awesome. I, I really like that guy. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's great. He's a su- you know what? Like to me, he's like a sweet boy. Well, <laughs> we,
2: we have so much fun putting, let's get ready to grumble together. And that's on Sundays. We have tried to take it and make it fun. We've tried different mediums. Fun. You never know what's coming. So definitely check it out. And, uh, you obviously Real progressives.org. so thank you guys so much for Thanks having me on again i love y'all always a
0: pleasure always brother we'll
2: see you soon all right I see, see ya you. know. bye bye
0: and just for point of reference people i was i've been on macro and cheese and i was on rogue scholar i'm probably like the dumbest person that's been on rogue you know, scholar <laughs> we should have our we should have our <laughs> but Monday i was next on, rogue scholar. on rogue scholar i think i was i think i've been like one of his first I was either one of his first on that or on macro and cheese, maybe on on rogue scholars, like one of his first ones. Well, like night, I'm not very scholarly.
1: <laughs> well, and it's not over yet because we do have a wonderful guest we are about to bring into the studio. This is
0: Nashville, right? This
1: is one of your favorite places. In I I No, I've not I, been. I have, and I can tell you that I, I really want like to Nashville.
0: go. I'm in Asheville I, every summer, and I do want to go to Nashville, and so I know I, I would love it. The and and also, I know because Dolly's there. Dolly lives there.
1: Yeah, well, you've got to go to uh there's that. Well it's the Grand Old Opera. Well, Odessa will tell us, but there's this place. I I'm the town is slipping me right now. But there's the Dolly World and there is the Titanic. It is the Titanic. And it's in Pigeon
0: Forge. And I know exactly where that is. And that has nothing to do with where Odessa is. She's I think she's Nashville.
1: Well, yeah, but I still want to go to the I still want to go to the Titanic Museum. She is running for the US Congress in Tennessee's seventh district. A blue oasis in the middle of a very red state, but a state that can really use a wonderful new congresswoman. Odessa Kelly, welcome to Generational Change.
3: What's going on, guys? Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you
0: guys? I like that you have all your signs in different colors. Like, I really like that. And, you know, normally I don't think it's good to mix colors because it confuses people. But your name is consistent in each one enough that it's real. I think it's very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I Thank dig you. it.
3: I, I appreciate that. So which I just wanted to be different. So I like colors, you know, and uh, yeah, we've got oh, they're like blue Odessa team, yellow Odessa team. So it's been working. No, I
0: think it's awesome. I think what is the the scene, the Democrat scene? In Nashville like I really don't I have no idea like what does your incumbent look like what's it what's it like
3: well the uh the incumbent is horrible he's a a Trumpian a racist homophobic most homophobic person we have he's the person that said that trans was a clinical disease um you know he's the guy that runs off of being a veteran but doesn't take care of veterans you know um Uh, I mean, all the all the things, you know, that the past gentleman was just talking about, you know, for both sides. I think the same goes. That's why I was running um, uh, against a Democrat before, because we have a lot of people, regardless of the hat they're wearing, they're not giving any type of support or impact to the communities that we need them to have on. it.
0: Right. So you're the Democrat that was running was probably no different than the Republican that's sitting there.
3: Well, I ain't, gonna, I ain't gonna do them like that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but when we're talking about how this affects people's finances, when we're talking about how uh, forget just the personal and the disgusting nature of some of these people, but when we're talking about how this affects working class people, yes. it really is six of one, half a dozen of the other.
3: Absolutely, you know, and that's what it comes down to. Um, it was so hard when you know, we, everyone went to, to Georgia, including us, to knock doors for uh, Ossoff and, Warner, uh, and mm-hmm. Warnock, and then we were here trying to get people elected. People are like, what's the difference? My life does not change if it's Trump in office, you know, versus Biden, or whoever else is, has been in office, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a knock on the Democratic Party when you can't tell the difference between a Republican and a Democrat, because I've everything, ditto, you know, they do not do anything for us or for our party. You know, yet or or for working class people or for they don't even do stuff for the people a lot of the people who vote for them. <laughs> you no, know,
0: no, yeah. and they, they abuse their voters, actually. I I actually the Republicans are much better to their voters than Democrats are to their people, like to their base. Um, forget, Republicans yeah. answer to their base. Democrats don't care about their base. They forgot
3: about their base, you know. Yeah. Majority of rural Tennessee voted Democratic because those those are working class individuals. This state is a working class state. Oh, yes. It and now it's become a playground for the rich and greedy corporate uh, corporations and developers trying to take it over. You know, we've had several governors stand on top of Hill and say, bring your corporations here. And, you know, we got people who work damn near for free or slave prices. We still at seven twenty
1: five. And I often think that you only end up with a Senator Blackburn when you're basically just not trying. Like you do not care enough to make the necessary efforts for working people where you allow somebody so of of such lunacy to enter into the U.S. Senate. And that's a reflection because, again, I've I've been to Nashville a couple of times. I love Tennessee, but it's also a state that has been severely neglected politically. What made you decide to get into this? What was the impetus on your part to say, I'm going to go for it? I'm going to run for U.S. Congress to represent
3: Nashville. Um, I think uh, 2020 handed me my ass, (laughs) to be very honest, you know, um, I got into organizing because I was desperate to save my own life. Uh, I worked for a Parson rec for close to 14 years. I was a city employee, got the master's degree, right, and got $70,000 of debt while I'm I'm going on 10 years of working two jobs. Cause I was working for the park system in the morning. I'm working at FedEx slinging boxes in a warehouse at, in the evening. Right. I got two kids. I got bills. I got rent. I got a partner, you know, all the shit that we have to deal with and everything. And it's like, this is not okay. Like, why? How was this? If I stay on this job that I love and I was good at doing it, you know, I could have retired being the best damn girl scout leader that this country has ever seen. (laughs) I love my job could have retired being the best damn flag football and basketball coach at the community center. But I was living check to check. Like what I'm gonna do, you know? And I got this master's degree. If I stay on this job for 20 years, y'all, I might top out at 58K in Nashville. It's one of the fastest, for 10 years, one of the fastest growing cities in the country, you know? And so not having people who could accurately tell my voice, as a working-class individual, what was going on was not okay. I'm on the front lines of poverty. I see the school-to-prison pipeline, yeah. you know, and what's going on. That led me to doing organizing work, and after seven years of doing organizing work, I really had the first opportunity to see it from a lens outside of Nashville. I thought the shit that was going I'm sorry, so. No, no, oh, oh by
0: all means, where I, I, you didn't have, hear, I. You didn't hear Steve talking for the first half we're, hour, are We're
3: so. all good. Oh, okay, okay, like, the things that were happening to me, I thought they was my problems or they was specific to Nashville. You can just change the name of the city.
0: Oh, it's and everywhere. It's, South Florida is horrible. It's horrible. Actually, one of the things we were talking about with Steve was the student debt situation and I know you were just saying you have a master's degree. So, the mm-hmm. amount of money that people are investing to get educated, they can't ever make that back. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, this is this is a problem. And I have this thought that we should just change it and just calling it call it pre K through 16. And then the last four years, you can decide which type of thing you want to do. Like maybe you want to go to a trade school or maybe you want to take take out your portion and have some sort of entrepreneur thing. I don't know. But like, why don't we just call it pre-K through 16? And then these people will stop bitching about paying for people to go to college.
3: I love it. That's why we built a <laughs> uh a vocational uh career apprentice program. Yeah. In, in uh in in Nashville just for that. Um yeah, I found that out the hard way. Um yeah, I it, I told you what was supposed to be the good part of my job. Right. Yeah. The crux of my job ended up being passing out food boxes every day of the week. You know, we were connected to an elementary school. I was serving three to four hundred families a week. And these weren't people who were just living in the project and don't have a job. Everybody's working. This whole shit about black people, brown people don't work we, everybody. We've been working. You know, we was brought to this country to work. We work. We don't get paid. No one is really getting paid what they should to for the work we do, but everyone's working, right? I was ended up passing our food boxes to people who I was in study groups with in college because they became social workers, because they became teachers. People who decided to do like the things that are supposed to make this country great are struggling, you know? And after becoming that organizer that was doing really well on the ground and having a bunch of receipts, when 2020 hit, The world slowed down and it became an opportunity for every organizer, every activist out here. They know that this like, oh, people are listening now. Then you had George Floyd and you had all this other shit that was happening on that. Since by the time November hit, Thanksgiving morning was the first day I think I ever had five minutes to myself. You know, and I was thinking about all the things that we had done, not just me and Stand Up Nashville and moving all affordable housing here and getting a a higher wage for stadium jobs. All the things that we had done that was well. Little, it's inches, right? And the thing that we missed is that we never put ourselves in the positions of leadership to get the things across the finish line that we want to have happen. Every time people out here, y'all think uh, President Biden for college loans, thank him, but you need to think about 10,000 activists out here and community organizers who've been like pushing this dominant narrative for 20 years, you know? And so I said, I didn't want to be the victim of saying, well, we did what we can. No, it's my damn country. So I'm sitting uh, in the position of leadership and show a very different side of what a I think a Democrat uh, should look like.
0: Yeah. And you represent what I was just talking about recently, which I call the revolving door between organizers and politicians. That's what the revolving door we need. We don't need it between lobbyists and congressmen. We need it between activists and congressmen. And that is a really good revolving door. We had uh, Lana Dell wanted me to ask, And just make sure, uh, wanted to recommend that you check out, the do some research on the job guarantee because the federal government does deliberately create unemployment. Like they, they have to have a certain amount of unemployment to keep everybody like in their place. And so a lot of the people that were on who were, I don't know if you knew who our previous guest was Steve Grumbine and he is a huge proponent and economic theorist, modern monetary theory is the concept and you should definitely check it out. Um, and it's also a big support of the job guarantee versus saying a minimum wage, right? The right. job guarantee in the federal government has to pay whatever the living wage is, that'll automatically make yeah. everybody else have to compete, whatever. But the point is, is that a job guarantee is definitely like policy-wise a really smart way to go. Like, so if you haven't looked into it, check it out.
3: Absolutely, I'm a, a big proponent of it as well. And he's absolutely right. Um, I had, a, I had cousins and a couple of friends, y'all, last year. Uh, Odessa, I'm going to send you this reference code for Robinhood and Webull and all this so I can get their free crypto or whatever, right? <laughs> I'm like, okay, sure. I'll sign up so you can get your stuff or whatever. And so then you have all these different things that start hitting you. And that's when I really started to learn about quantitative easing and tightening. Yeah. These And it's like, what is the concept behind this? You know, so no, I'm just saying you're spot on with like we have to have the fact that we are built, we're structurally built to where we have to have some unemployment is insane.
0: Yeah, and you know, one of the reasons why we don't have more people like you or activists that run for office is you are a regular person and most regular people are just struggling to survive right now. And to run for office, you really can't, like, it's a full-time job. People don't realize it. Now, I was very fortunate that I was able to do that without having to also be working a job. But regular people that we want to participate in things can't do that. So, and and that's why I think most people don't pay attention to politics because they're just struggling to live.
3: Shit. Ditto. You know, like, um, that's a part of the reason why I decided to run. Um, we need to have people in the positions of leadership that got your back when you ain't paying attention. You know, like what you said, so many people are working a nine to five and just trying to make it to the the next day and living check to check.
0: Yeah,
3: they are. They're putting people in positions after trust and faith that when they can't pay attention, you still got their back. And that's exactly what is not happening. And Democrats and Republicans have been taking advantage of that. and just getting richer and richer and richer, right? Which is why we got this debacle that we in now. Either be the side, they know what the hell to do. They don't know how to deal with Trump. Cause Trump isn't it, he ain't no president. They know how to deal with presidents. They don't not to deal with ignorant folks. Will you ask?
1: Odessa, uh, first of all, phenomenal website. Uh, really did an amazing job. He he
0: very much analyzes everybody's logos and websites. It's his thing, but yeah. Well, you know,
1: uh, how would you say, uh, two things. Um, How have the district lines changed with redistricting? Uh, And number two, how... Would you say the help has been regarding organizations like Justice Democrats, brand new Congress, which Shen was endorsed by mm-hmm. in terms of the assistance that they've provided for your campaign? So how much of the district has changed in terms of the lines? And then obviously the organizations, the non-corporate progressive organizations have assisted in being
3: able to build your
1: campaign into
3: viability. Yeah, am my answers too long. I don't never know. Oh, go I'm for good. it. No, okay. all right, you know. No, so. you're good. All right, okay, okay. Um so, yeah, thank you for asking it. They gerrymandered the shit out of Tennessee. Nashville is a case study of gentrification more than anyone else in the country. You know, it's, if we was a battleground state, it'd be on TV 24-7, right? Um, how it affected, I was running against uh, Congressman Jim Cooper before. He is a blue dog Democrat. Um, he'd been in office since I was 10 months old. <laughs> 10 months old, you know, I, I just turned 40, you know? Um, my God. Yeah. And oh. it's like, you, I didn't want someone representing me who's always like the last person to do the right thing. He's part of that establishment class. He's part of that argument. When we talk about people, like, I don't feel the difference in things that are happening here, right? And as a, a Black woman in the South, I saw years of politicians coming to my mama and my grandmama's church. And you know how they do that two-hand handshake, mm-hmm. Right. You know, and so your grandparents think that, oh, Jesus vouch for him, so I'm going to vouch for him. Taking right. yeah. advantage of people. Well,
0: we could talk about pastors. That can be an entirely right. different conversation. So, yeah, I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, I was just, yeah, you know, and so linking it back to like what we don't do is we don't check people's actual voting records or how they vote against things or like the things that they do. We would have had healthcare a long time ago had he not been fighting in 92 to like stop it. You know, but anyway, with that said, they broke up Nashville because 33, 30 percent of Nashville is black. And they wanted to break the black voice because, uh, like, there's no vote that you can have in Nashville or a specific district unless it's statewide that you can win unless you win the black vote in Nashville, Tennessee. The minority vote in Nashville was close to 46 percent, you know, so they that's what they did. They directly wanted to silence black voices with doing that. Um, And how it's changed is I'm now having more fun because I'm running against dumb ass Republican Mark Green. The fact that this man went to West Point, West Point should be embarrassed. It should be embarrassed that he went there. This man's a, a doctor. Come on, doctors. Well, you know, is he a real
0: doctor? Is he like a Joe Biden, a Jill Biden doctor? Uh, no, uh, Dr. Oz is, is a
3: real doctor. Scary. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's I think he he I don't know. I'm pretty sure he's a real doctor. And he put out like he put his claim to fame is is that he was part of the um troop, or I think it's what you call it, the troop that uh caught uh Saddam Hussein. He, he, really, he literally wrote a book called A Night with Saddam. Like, I'm not gonna roast you for naming your book that. A night with Saddam. It's ridiculous. (laughs) And it's just full of lies. It's just full of of lies. But anyway, like this is the person I'm running against. Now, we in the South. Anybody know people in the South? Anyone can hear my voice? We are not afraid of butter, sugar, and grease. So, nobody. You know, oh,
1: I've had the I've had the redneck pancake uh, at yeah. that at that joint in Vanderbilt University. So I, I'm very, very well aware. Well, yeah. then, you know,
3: you're going to run into somebody who might have insulin, need some insulin. The fact that he he a doctor and you didn't put a cap on insulin We're in the seventh district, you know, how many good barbecue joints is rolling through here? He tripping. You know, this is a man who claims, you know. Eagle, support, American flag. Yeah, spirit, God, freedom. You know, the three things. They they yell that shit all day long. Yeah, you didn't vote uh, for the burn pit veterans? Veterans work too? You don't want to raise the minimum wage? You know, all the things that we need. Over 50% of Tennessean's debt is medical debt. I got family members going through that right now. Fucking medical debt.
0: That shouldn't even be afraid. Like, you know, other countries when they hear that, well, that, and also my other favorite one student is student, student no, debt. student lunch debt is one of my personal favorites. We have that here. We have student lunch debt for the elementary school. I, I think That's actually a thing, student yep. lunch debt. I have a question from a friend who is actually the head of our Florida Progressive Caucus for our state. Um, she wanted me to ask you, what are the policies that you see as urgent in Tennessee, is the party backing or blocking you, and how receptive are the people there to progressive policy?
3: Thank you, whoever asked that question. Because Carolina, Carolina, because I almost got to answer the second part of your question. These two things go really well together. You know, um, shout out to Justice Democrats. Um, shout out to SEIU and all the, uh, the the CLC and labor unions here. I'm a proud member of SEIU, uh, nice. local 205. Um, Shout out to Collective Pack and all the work that they have done to like help me get over that imposter syndrome. I'm an openly gay black woman. Pretty. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. openly gay black woman. Right. Running in the South. And so sometimes, like you said, working class individuals. I was 30 years old before I figured out who I was going to be like comfortable in my own skin. You know, so I'm kind of late to this game. But I think that may help me, too, because I have all the experience of what everyday regular people are going through. Back to the question, you know, our state party, we have our first black chair, Hendrell Remus. You know, he's had some bumps along the way or whatever. But him and the staff that he's building, it's been extremely helpful. I'm part of the Tennessee coordinated campaign. I That's wish there, nice. were more, there were more candidates or more elected officials who would buy into it, because we all talk about how we want to move the state forward. But then we don't put all our feet forward to do the things that are needed. You know, um, I've raised close to a million dollars, y'all, close to a million dollars on this campaign. And that's without taking one dollar from any of these greedy ass corporations. Right. I, the majority of the establishment Democrats here who will tell you they bundled for Obama and them. They just as racist as everybody else. Thank you. You troop about it, too. Right. If you they don't pick you as their candidate, they don't want you. Right. Nope. nope. Yeah, and they don't answer phones. All these things, right? So they haven't given me any money either. Well, let's see. I have been my blue ding now with a couple of two hundred fifty dollars, you know, donations, so they can say that they did. But they're not supporting in the way that they could, you know. And so all this has been to people who can hear my voice. Shout out to you, grassroots people across this country, you know, labor, uh, labor um, uh, uh, and union members, and these type of packs who've come together and been like, "Yo, we know you ain't got no money." right now, but that's what we do. We bring capacity. Justice Democrats helped me raise close to $150,000 in the first 36 hours, right? Like, that had never right. been done until that moment. Now, I thought it was going to be like that every day. I got a rude awakening.
0: Okay, no. No, that's like Dan Marino no. thinking every
3: year he'd be in the Super Bowl. No, it doesn't work <laughs> like that. But it should be. And I'm <laughs> not being arrogant. <laughs> agree. You know, But right. I know that I am the candidate that 99% of this country has been waiting on. And if right. I was anywhere right. else, I'd be raising $20 million every quarter. You know? But the, in Tennessee, we got to build the building blocks to get there. Yes, Part of true. our campaign is... Get me elected in November 8th so that uh, we can do what we can to keep our country together and then start to shape it in the way that we think it should be shaped, you know. But on November 9th, the infrastructure we're building—18 months from November 9th—we're gonna get Marsha Blackburn's ass out of office, you know. People ask me all the time, like, "Where are you gonna do the codified Roe v. Wade?" I was like, "I'm gonna go to every place I can and stomp to make sure that you get the senators that we actually need because that sits on the Senate floor." You know, I'm not going to be one of these politicians that lie to you about say I'm going to do something, knowing that it's in the purview of someone else. So you can at least say, I tried it, knowing good and hell well that no one can hold you accountable for it. Nah. You know, I'm no, going to be awesome. 135, yet yeah, it's pushing the political will of what uh, uh, we want to see happen every day.
0: Now, I so appreciate that because I feel the same way. I think part of your job, yes, part of the job is in D.C. and pushing your little vote button and doing that whole nonsense. But when you're at home, your job is to be using your platform for your people and serving your people and being in the community. And that is the thing that is sorely missed by the majority of these employees of ours, who I call insubordinate. And it's very frustrating because, you know, you work for people. Would you be able to take money from another employer, do things against your current employer and then still expect to get a pay raise like what other (laughs) business do we have that what other and they have insurance they have health care we don't have health care right and and we just keep electing these people and they have no interest in serving us none whatsoever
3: yeah go ahead i'm sorry no that's a Please. no and i was gonna say you're absolutely right you know one of the things that uh over easily over 90 percent of our elected officials at the federal level in congress or in the senate they had the resources to jump over any hurdles before they were born.
0: Yeah,
3: in their mother's womb, they already had. They was richer than me, right? I remember when Megan and them had their baby. I was like, that baby got better credit than me right now.
0: He <laughs> had better know? credit than you before he was conceived.
3: Exactly, you know. And <laughs> so that's the and that is the same concept. Of the majority of these people in Congress, yeah. they use it to hold on to their power so they can stay the one percent. And I'm not, I'm not here for that. We're gonna change all of that. You know? I, I
0: really dig you. I so appreciate you. I feel like I'm very glad to meet you. I feel like you are definitely part of on my mission. And I always appreciate finding someone else on my mission that I see as part of the revolution.
1: Odessa, bring us home with the importance of collective organizing and checking your ego at the door, mm-hmm. because in a lot of left spaces, as I'm sure you are aware, there are a lot of egos. A uh, lot of people want a lot of credit for what's going on. Um, we really need to be able to check our egos at the door and being able to cross-pollinate as Jen likes to say. I always call it
0: cross-pollinating.
1: Building these relationships, building this non-corporate infrastructure is how we're going to get out of this hell hole that we're in right now. Please share your thoughts as we wind down. And guys, if you haven't already, as I alluded to not too long ago, it is an excellent website, odessaforcongress.com. Make sure you get over there one month to go. Make sure that you are signed up for phone banking, text banking, if you are within not just Tennessee, but remember, Tennessee has the distinction of being the number one state in the country that has the most surrounding states. Eight, <laughs> Eight of them.
3: Uh, yeah, that's it. Eight
1: of them, to, to be exact. You could be in Atlanta. You could even be as far north as Chicago, but it is not that difficult of a trip to get to Nashville. And if you can lend a hand with this campaign, please do. The floor is yours.
3: Please share your thoughts. Yeah, on the like the key issues, issue.
0: like what's going on there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Thank you um, for that. As far as collective organizing, you're exactly right on. When I said I had my ass handed to me, I was part. Of, we all are part of that, you know. And that's because the same thing happening. In, like, in, that's why we got to have ca- campaign finance reform. You know, there's a little bucket of money, and everyone that everyone gets to pull out of. So it's people like snatching their crumbs, which is what caused all this divisiveness. That and you have a lot of people too who um, find their selves in in whatever college text or class that is, and they don't actually live the life. So they're on this purity politics bullshit, and that's just we're warped people. Like we're flawed, you know, and part of us getting through that is everyone taking a breath and not operating out of trauma. Understand that we every the biggest health crisis we got is mental health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I it wouldn't surprise me if 200 years from now when they study about us, they're going to be like everybody was crazy in that motherfucker, you know, yeah. because of how in the type of society that we live in. You know, I want to build legislation that heals people. And someone said that was wild. that's wild. Really? That's just crazy talk crazy talk right who wants to do that you know you but mean you
0: think mental health should be included in health care because that's whack
3: for everyone i know it's crazy. everyone Absolutely. included in like republicans getting laid to get included because they need to chill the fuck out like yeah, y'all y'all tripping but anyway on top of that the biggest issues that we have here in tennessee uh, is um Healthcare is is one of the biggest things, right? We have denied over a billion dollars in healthcare in healthcare expansion because we use it as a political football. Uh, you know? Same me, as
0: us. Same. Yeah.
3: As us. You know, I think what you were kind of talking about earlier um, goes back to it. I think one of the biggest issues, um, just in that gray area, is the apathy in the South. We're soaked in traditions, you know. So it's not that people don't care; it's that people have been othered or stationed as though it's not their responsibility to like lean in, you know. And so I think that if we really start to change that, everything else changes. And we got a little glimpse of it in 2020. Th- three cycles before, we was losing races 20, 25 points. You get every avenue to fucking vote. In 2020, we lose losing about four, five points. And thank you, everyone. Please lean in on our race. You know, I don't want to assume that we got it. Uh, we've been working our asses off, coming out doors with us. You know, please donate. We got to raise about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars because TV is fucking expensive. We're doing real TV. We're doing the digital and the streams and all that type of stuff. And I'm like, it's fifty thousand dollars to run a 30 second ad. They were like, at least, you know, but we want to go tit for tat because the racist uh, person I'm running against is a millionaire. He's just going to throw a million dollars up and say she's a Bernie socialist. Thank you. But I know,
0: and you know what? Wear that proudly. Yeah. I, you know, I, I get, I've been called communist Karen. I, uh...
1: Well, Dessa, I just wanted to come on here and tell you how much I appreciate what you're doing in Tennessee. I happen to like Nashville. It's a great city. It's got a lot of great music. I know, I know. And you are doing a wonderful job. And the GOP and the uh, corporate Democrats that are trying to stand in your way of success, they're not going to stand in your way forever. So keep doing what you're doing. You're
3: doing a wonderful job.
1: I really appreciate you. Much love.
3: Thank you, Bernie. I appreciate
0: very it. Very method, right?
3: Yes. Like, follow me on IG and Twitter as well. I go hard. Odessa Kelly TN. You know? That's great. S-S-A Kelly TN. You know? And uh, you'll see a lot of the things that we do there. And let me give you y'all flowers too. Thank y'all. You, oh, know? You,
0: you are so welcome. And you know what? No matter what happens, seriously, your voice is very necessary. Like, whatever happens, I you know, we ran a very service oriented campaign. And then after it was over, we still have that. Like, so it was important to me to keep that snowball, that momentum going that you get even yeah. win or lose. And you definitely have that. Like yeah. you have this like leadership thing going. So like whatever happens, keep it going. You know what I'm saying? You, you, yeah. are, a,
1: you, you are not a good candidate. You are a great, You're
0: candidate. A great candidate.
1: And that right. is a it is a key distinction with. a. And again, uh, what you are doing. Alone, just the fact that you're willing to put yourself out there and run for the biggest local seat you can possibly run for, which is the U.S. Congress, the amount of slings and arrows that you are willing to take. Because there's a lot of them. And when you are in deep red Tennessee and you're a woman of color and you're gay, forget it. You're you're catching hell that I don't think people even can begin to understand. And if you walk into the wrong neighborhood, that is probably not in very friendly Franklin and places like that. Oh, they don't mess around in the deep south. They really don't. So you have the up. I have my utmost respect for very thankful. and I think that there needs to be this sort of consensus amongst the movement to really recognizing that, yes, we want to help as many people as we can, but when there is a bright shining star, you have to run towards it. Absolutely. To- so just
0: stick, whatever happens, keep going. Cause if, like you, you will get there for sure. Yeah, like you will definitely in. get there.
3: Yeah. If people lean in, we could definitely win. So, yeah. and thank y'all. And what I was giving y'all flowers for is of if as many of us out here, they'll tell us that we're crazy for thinking the way that we do. So to have people like you who validate it, like, oh, it's not just me. Every, You know, thank y'all for what you do. Keep oh, going. you
0: are so welcome. All right, so
3: we got your one donation so far this <laughs> evening. Hopefully, we we're able to get you a few more of everybody checking
1: out. Colinello, thank you so much. Uh, Odessa, thank you so much for coming on. We'll Guys, be following your Make race. sure you get And to- when
0: you win, then you're going to come back as a congressperson. Oh, well,
1: yes. So, and let's just well, stay in touch. Well, listen. We got Jamie McLeod through. We got Summer Lee through. There's, yeah. There's always a handful. I, everyone's it's like, "Oh, this change chipping, is going to come and it's away. not going to happen." No. Every once in a while, every election cycle, there's a few that are going to break through, and the more that break through, the more you have these
3: representatives. Again, this is why we need
0: them to be fighting for more people to. Not yeah, yeah.
3: in Florida, right? Yeah, we're in Broward County, right up you, uh, South I'm pulling for Val Demons, but tell uh, what's my boy name? Um, uh, Max. Max uh, Maxwell, Maxwell Frost. Frost. Oh yeah. Man, tell young homie he got. We got I'll him. I'll I'll like text, him. I'll text lot. Maxwell. I yeah. already said hello. I like I like that kid. So tell him keep pushing, keep doing this thing. You're right. It's got it's gonna take all of us across this country. You know. So hey, shout thank out you to Jose you, Odessa, the line. Thank you all. Nice Our to
0: meet friend.
3: you. Nice to meet Bye. you too. Have a great night. We'll be in touch. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yes. So now what do I say? As you
1: like to say, Say, she she was was lovely. Very. She
0: was lovely. lovely. I hope because you know why I say that. You know where it's from. You should know. We've been doing this for two years. Do you know where that's, like, why I say that?
1: No. Maybe I should.
0: You should. It's from, it's Barbara Streisand and The Way We Were. Oh, God, no. Don't you dare. And she goes up to Robert Redford and she fixes his hair. And she said, your girl is lovely, Hubble. Your girl is lovely, Hubble. I don't
1: like Barbara Strauss. I
0: don't care. Okay? That's the way we were. You don't. And Robert Redford, I might add.
3: Girl, I like, I like girl's Robert lovely, Redford. Your is lovely, Hubble. And she like fixes his hair. That's good, dude.
0: And this was when they had already not been together and he already had a new girl. And that's what she was like saying. Your girl's lovely. So anyway, that's what it's from. You should always have known that.
1: In approximately eleven days, is that what it is? Yeah, no, you—that will you, you, you
0: pick the wrong slide. So, guys, on the fifteenth of October, so a week from Saturday, I'm going to be hosting. Um, we are hosting. Ah, there you go. I'm I'm handy. You sometimes you're handy, not handsy. Handy. He was dealing with some handsy women's tonight. Mm. So guys, we're going to be hosting a Deconstructing Zionism event for three hours, four panels, 45 minutes each. Um, they're starting to come together. I have some very good confirmed people, some maybe people, but whatever, whatever we end up with will be extremely informative, very educational. I really need to, this might be the hill I die on. And I I'm I really, like, I cannot... And I'm reading this book by one of our guests. His name is Rabbi Brant Rosen, and he wrote a book called Wrestling in Daylight. And it's really about his coming to realizations as being raised a Zionist and being a rabbi that we're not necessarily right on that issue. And it's his sort of coming to terms with and becoming a supporter of Palestinian rights. And one of the phrases in his book was, I just can't do that dance anymore. And that's where I am. That's where I'm like, I, I just, I can't do the dance anymore. So um, I'm going to have to just own it and put it out there for what it is. And it is what it is. So I'm doing no it. Educational. There
1: is no guarantee that Jen is going to run a second time, but if she does, the district lines are infinitely more favorable now than they were before considering what the district used to be. And the, one of the biggest Zionist, contingencies in the whole country lies in Aventura, Florida, and that is no longer in our district. Um, but again, uh,
0: but honestly, I feel personally somewhat guilty that I didn't do this sooner and that I sort of towed the line as much as I did. Like everyone has this moment on their own, like rabbi Rosen, um, his book, the first one came out in 2012 and he wrote it basically it was after Oh, God. It was like after the second uh, Intifada and, and just all this stuff that was going on, um, Israel launching attacks on Gaza. And it was, it's been a long time coming. And I just, I can't do the dance anymore. You can't be,
1: you can, again, if you can look at the bombing of children and I, just be able to look the other way, I, I don't know what to tell you. I it, mean, it's just,
0: I can't, I, I just can't anymore. Yeah. So it is what it is. Um, I don't support ethnocracy. I, I just don't, it's not my thing. And if you want to support an ethnostate and an ethnocracy, okay, but we're going to at least look at all the same facts. And then if you still want to support an ethnocracy, that's fine, but it's not a democracy. And remember, You cannot claim it's a democracy.
1: And remember the biggest reason why Debbie says what she says and does what she does is because she's just trying to hang on to power. That's all that is for her. Whether she believes what she believes or not, do I believe that Debbie's a Zionist? Yes, I do. Oh, but for sure. I, I definitely also believe that Debbie will say and do whatever she has to do to keep that secret.
0: Yeah, but she was, was raised probably how I was raised. Debbie's five years older than me. We were So she was probably raised by, you know, the same post-Holocaust fear-based mentality that my grandparents had and even my parents to some extent. And they didn't know better. They didn't know better. We were taught it was a land with no people for a people with no land. We were taught that. We were, we were almost like bred to know that and everything was about Israel. But when you know better, you need to do better. And the problem with people like her, with Debbie and other people like that, is now we have available information very easily, readily at our fingertips, right? Like we can find out the truth. There is no excuse to not know about the Nakba. And there's no excuse for that. And yet most of the Jewish people I know have never heard of it. They've never heard of it. In fact, they celebrate May 14th as Israel's Independence Day. They celebrate that. That's a holiday. That's a big Jewish holiday, a big celebration. And for Palestinian people, it represents the Nakba, which is translates to the catastrophe which was the worst thing that ever happened to them when 750,000 Palestinians were killed and forcibly evacuated. And these are facts that Jews in Western culture, such as myself, when I was growing up, we were never taught that. And I would love to believe that if we were taught that, and if my grandparents were taught that, that maybe they wouldn't get so behind the Zionism movement, uh, but they weren't taught that. They just thought there was nobody there. And that we could just have that because that's where our forefathers were from. Newsflash, everybody's forefathers come from the exact same place, kind of somewhere, Africa, Tigris, Euphrates, you know, we all took that in history class. All of our people came from there. Not just Jewish people, not just Jewish people, all people. So I just, yeah, yeah. This very well might might end up being the hill I die on, but it's so important to me. And I I'm not gonna just not make a deal of this anymore. I can't. So that's where where I am. And I definitely am at risk of losing family. <laughs> so Yeah, um, you definitely
1: have at least one family member that is probably gonna say that you can go kick rocks.
0: Well, you do I have a family member that is like partially built that Chabad right here on Nob Hill. Mm-hmm. Oh no, this is not, but I I just good thing I'm sort of reclusive and I don't need a lot of people around me because this is definitely going to rub people the wrong way. But um, yeah, it is what it is, people.
1: Thank you, Kayla. And yes, we will absolutely have Angelica back on the podcast. Uh, Takes APAC and developer money, and there's a documentary covering some Me two allegations coming out. Yeah, you know, the sad truth is, is that the APAC and developer money means less in the so-called media and voters' eyes. And it does the fact that he may have uh, sexually assaulted a minor, um, which is serious business. Uh, both
0: things can bother me at the same time. Yes, I can simultaneously well. Well, I bother can, that he's a peder ass and an APAC. Uh, it's not
1: necessarily the case with everyone,
0: but because okay, I can it be annoyed by both things, I, I'm equally <laughs> annoyed. I'm an
1: equal opportunist, annoying annoyed person when
0: it comes. to I am AIPAC. so done with APAC and the Democratic majority for Israel. I am just done with them. But They're again,
1: th- your attitude is let's just let's just hit them head on. Let's just take uh-huh. them on. I'm not waiting for them, we them know to come for me. We're going to have to deal with them in some capacity. Yeah.
0: They're going to come for me one way or the other, and I'm not going to let them create the narrative. I'm creating the narrative. I'm separating Judaism from Zionism. They're not the same thing. And you know what? As someone who's actually proud to be a Jew, Judaism existed long before Zionism, and it'll exist long after it. And I am done with those things being conflated. Well, I think,
1: the, I think more than anything else, if anyone is considering um, coming on and watching the Reconstructing Zionism live stream. The biggest reason to come on and watch it mm-hmm. is to learn the actual history of how this oh, started yeah. and how the Holocaust became the uh, the opening, if you will, for them to seize the moment. So it is to speak.
0: that's when there's. Well, it's true. I mean, people don't realize that there is definitely this sort of um, idea, and it's purposeful. This is purposeful propaganda that basically ties um, the state of Israel to the Holocaust because it plays on sympathy. Look, people, we know better. We know how we're marketed to. We know how we're propagandized. The Zionists completely capitalized on rational fear from Holocaust survivors. Again, rational fear. These were people that were destroyed and had nowhere to go. That's all true. But they were the victims. They were used by Zionists to basically sign on to what otherwise wasn't going to work. They weren't going to get the Zionist movement started long before the Holocaust. And people, okay. we're going to talk all about this. But they it ten, started during the time of Lincoln. It started a long time ago. And they wanted to create that. And when they saw all this tragedy and all oh, the persecuted Jews that had nowhere to go, they seized it as an opportunity to push through an agenda that they'd been trying to push through for a long time. And they have now purposefully conflated those two things so that if you speak out against Zionism, you're an anti-Semite. That's unacceptable. That's not true. We reject that entirely. I am not gonna accept that. There is no, there is nothing that is the same between Judaism and Zionism. They're not the same thing. And I'm not gonna accept that. So I'm I'm done anyway. I've said my piece for tonight.
1: So I think we've got um, I don't I'm not sure exactly. I've been to what Israel, guys. Monday.
0: I've been to Tel Aviv. Israel's beautiful. And I have a lot of, um, issues like personal, this has been very hard for me. Like I say these things matter of fact, but the reality is I love Israel, like the state, like the place, the actual place, the land, the the people, not, not the geopolitical thing. Right. And I've been there and it's so um, spiritual, and I mean for everyone, like it really does feel like the cradle of civilization, which is something that should be for everyone. And I was there as a typical, um, with Alexander Musk, high school in Israel, the typical North Miami Beach Jew, Zionist raised. We're in Israel. That's what we're doing. We're supporting it. We're going to make Aliyah. We're, we're planting trees. We're, it's all about that. And it, it was, we were so brainwashed and so propagandized for so long. And it is, I am so, um, I have a lot of regret about that, but I didn't know. I, I really didn't know. And it wasn't like now where information is so easily available that you can just look it up. And um, yeah, it's it's not okay. And I have to own that. And I loved being there. But now in retrospect, it's so tainted for me because I feel like, okay, yeah, I love being there. But now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, I was there as a Jewish person from this country, who, by the way, I can get Israeli citizenship tomorrow. I can move there. I can move there and just become a citizen and get all privileges of citizenship. But the people that have been living there for their whole lives might not be afforded that right. And now as somebody at my age, I look back and, oh my God, I went there as this 16-year-old total like jappy princess from North Miami Beach with this whole group of girls. Like we, we think somehow we're entitled to Israel. And I'm, I'm just, you're not entitled uh, and you're by the thing. way, let me say this. I never ever was derogatory or thought anything about any other people's. We didn't know. It wasn't like I thought any, like once I started knowing there were actually other people, that's when I started to change. So it wasn't like I ever felt superior. to I just didn't know. And now that I know that those people have always been there, it's like, I'm, I'm mortified. It's like going into someone's house and hanging out and partying there and whatever and thinking nobody's home and then you realize there's people in the house. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, it's very, it's very disconcerting to me.
1: Well, before we go, we obviously have to reform you inform you all, of course, that our channel does not come without its ask. And that, of course, is for patreon.com forward slash generational change. If you are so inclined, for as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of our wonderful channel. As you can see, we are doing really great content. It was another great show tonight, a lot of informative stuff. And if you are so inclined to contribute, as our wonderful supporters, a handful of them tonight, were willing to do so.
0: It's very appreciated. You can
1: really help us with our local candidates, with causes with all the wonderful things that we are fighting for as of today. And so please go to patreon.com forward slash generational change for $10 a month. We will get you. You get the Lulu
0: sticker. Okay. Because there is the Lulu sticker and you will get my little mansion 2024 mansion parliamentarian for 2024. Hmm. Honestly, this, this, this would have, this ticket would have a better shot against DeSantis than anyone else I'm looking at right now. Pretty so much. I don't I don't know what else they've got going, but this might be the best call. I'm no, just saying.
1: Mr. Coleman will definitely that's what we're called, Mr. Coleman. Mr.
0: Coleman.
1: And then if you are really generous and inclined to do $25 a month, Patreon for and you will Patreon get the generational
0: change signature jersey, which don't have right n- now, normally but. one of us is wearing it, which we are not right now, but no. we have <laughs> the signature generational change. Jersey, um, they're really cute. They say, "Here comes the sun" on the front, and on the back has generational. Change. Yes,
1: TM. It is a joke bumper sticker. We do not know for sure that Mansion and Parliamentarian. First of all, her name
0: is in Parliamentarian. <laughs> but I just figured since there, these are the people that are strong that have strong armed Joe Biden. She's why we can't get a fifteen dollars minimum wage. Apparently, it's all because of her. That's some power. The Parliamentarian and Mansion holds up everything. So I just figure you know, let's vote for the people that have the real power. That's all. That's all I'm saying.
1: And once again, if you <laughs> do not want to put your credit card on record, on file, and have it continued uh, to be charged, because you really don't want to be a patron, you can go to Cash App, dollar sign, GenChange, if you would like to make a direct contribution to our show. Any amount is appreciated. Any amount makes a difference. A, I if I remember correctly, I do believe that we got a contribution in the past from TM herself on cash apps. So,
0: we do. We get the cash apps. They all go right into gencore which is yes. our nonprofit.
1: I TM, I definitely agree. And other agree, than the
0: occasional fairy hair. Yes. Well, TM, does I definitely
1: agree that there is a high likelihood that if the Democrats do take uh, more of the Senate in the midterms, which I think is... Definitely more likely than them doing anything with the House. I think they're going to lose the House, but I can see the case where uh, they could expand the Senate, depending on what happens with Fetterman in Pennsylvania and Barnes in in Wisconsin. I think those are the most likely. And of course, the Dems would also need to hold um, Warnock in Georgia and Kelly in Arizona. Um, Is it, will all those things
0: happen?
1: Uh, It's possible. Let's put it this way, though. If that were to happen, is it possible that cinema defects to the GOP? Yes, absolutely. It's possible.
0: And more importantly, does anyone care? Yeah. (laughs) Are you going to miss her? I don't think she's interested in getting reelected.
1: Love you, TM. That really means a lot. Uh,
0: I don't think... That cinema cares about being reelected. Paul,
1: I think that that's the best case scenario for the Democrats at this point. I think that's the, if you're looking for what you can hope is the best scenario in this current circumstance. He's
0: saying it's going to be a 52-dem. 52
1: 52, 52-48-dem in the Senate is the best you're going to get.
0: I'm That's not the feeling best you're it. going to get. And I, I do, well, one of the things that Steve said in the beginning is what I've been saying all along. Any decent, d- that any Democrat that does decently with their numbers, I do believe is tied to Roe versus Wade. However close Charlie Chris does get to Ron DeSantis, whatever that however close he even gets is only gonna be because of Roe versus Wade. That's all they have. That's their that's their And chance.
1: That is because that is what they are choosing to run on.
0: Look. They don't want to give us actual
1: things. Correct. Because again, it's not about changing the economic infrastructure of the country, at least in in its current incarnation. We don't have a big enough people movement in the country in order to do that, which is what we are working on. And of course, when we're talking about building that economic change, we are huge advocates for small business. It goes without saying that we really want to emphasize that with our new patron, Patreon, which is... Patrons who are small business contributors, or in this case, as Jen likes to say, small business neighbors. And
0: they're small business neighbors because our little icon is Mr. Rogers for that Mm. category. I I had to come up with like a fourth muse that really is important to me. And really, it would have been Dolly, except for I didn't really see how that would at all tie to small business, really. So I at least thought with Mr. Rogers, I could call them small business neighbors.
1: Well, Apex Insurance Agency in Delray Beach, which covers home, auto, and life insurance, is a local insurance company that could really be of great benefit, especially for many Floridians right now who may have Seriously. suffered serious losses regarding Hurricane Ian. The big box companies are not looking out for your best business, nope. but the small business companies certainly are.
0: You know what they do? One of the things they do that people don't realize that you get when you, because we use the local people, my husband and I, we use local company and they actually will go out of their way to let you know when there's a better deal like if you could get a better rate yeah, and you don't get that. Like if you just sort of do it, I don't think if you that's just do real it
1: old school, yeah. caring about your community and what's in the yeah. best interest.
0: Of they have people. like actual clients and stuff. Yeah.
1: So as you guys can see, it is scrolling apex, a insurance agency, and they are based in Delray beach, I highly recommend checking them out, especially for any of you Floridians. South All Florida. They might be licensed in multiple states. Don't know. Uh, uh,
0: yeah. But if you're somewhere else, you should go to your other people. That's probably true.
1: I, I would be inclined I to. I mean,
0: to you know. That. I'm trying South to do the Florida. best I can to. to <laughs> but no, but but it's it, South Florida. If you're in the tri-county area and you need local, that's local. Like that local. local. If you're within local. tri-county, it's local. You don't. Your insurance doesn't need to be like in your actual, like on your block. But this is local for South Florida. And I think it's really good to have local.
1: So with that said, we really appreciate you guys. Hope you enjoyed the show this evening. I know a lot of you did. A lot of you have really stuck with us for the full hour and 45 that we have gone. I mean, we
0: always lose people once Steve leaves, and I get that. But they, a lot of people stayed and were here when we were talking to Odessa, which I really appreciate because she definitely needs the boost. I don't know like what the odds are there with that with that split you know, but I like
1: her. She's freaking great. No, she is great. And that is uh, the type of person who, even if she doesn't win is definitely changing the cultural thought process when it comes to politics.
0: She's a much more, she's like, you know what? She reminds me of like Marcel in that, but a lot, not, not angry. Yeah. She, well, I'm sure. But she's very like real and from the people.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. And that I think will definitely, uh, yeah, we have had climate experts and we'll have, uh, that's definitely a good idea, TM. I think we can definitely find another person or, or, for, or a. We have no, sh- we've had us. a
0: few good, but you mean to sp- specifically talk about our the policy that we just had, like the new changes that were made and, and what difference it'll make and we can do that. Yeah,
1: great idea. All right, guys, thank you so much for obviously tuning in this evening. Really appreciate your wonderful support. Obviously, you know the big event that's coming up the following Saturday. But in the meantime, be well. We'll see you Monday.
0: Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.